Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Broadway Talks, where I sit down with Broadway stars and discuss the magic that is theater. In this episode, I'm so excited to say that I'm joined by Matt Risey, who is currently starring as Raoul in the world tour of The Phantom of the Opera, one of the only shows that is still running during these crazy times. Hi, Matt. Hi, Ron. How are you? How are you holding up? Well, you're actually doing pretty well. You're actually doing pretty well. Yeah, I'm actually performing, which is I know, insane. So <laughs> like unheard of now, you know? Thank you. So that's really cool. So you're in Taipei? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, so what's it yeah. like there quarantining and all of that? Yeah, luckily I had a previous experience quarantining. When we were in Seoul, we had to quarantine for a couple of weeks. So I was at least aware of what that entails, what it feels like. Because I mean, two weeks is kind of a long time to spend in yeah. in a hotel room without being able to go outside your door. So, um, so I was prepared this time, and and I brought activities and projects and okay, and, and many shows to watch and all sorts of things. And and, yeah. and then luckily, I'm doing a lot of stuff like like this, like interviews and Q and A's with with uh, friends who teach kids and and university students. So, so it's been cool to take advantage of Zoom and uh, not just twiddle my thumbs as yeah. I wait to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Zoom has given us the opportunity to talk, so that's very exactly. cool. Yeah. <laughs> so what's exactly, how are you able to perform is my main question. And we're jumping right into it, by the way. We're not, we're not wasting any time. We're jumping right in. So you're one of the only people in the world right now who are able to properly perform and you're still able to tour. You're still able to share one of the most iconic shows in the world, which is Phantom of the Opera with so many people. So how has your experience touring changed pre-COVID and now during COVID? Yeah, the crazy thing with, um, with our itinerary is that it hasn't really changed much. Um, we were scheduled to be in Korea um, during the height of COVID and, and it's just, it's so crazy how the timing worked out because we were in Korea right before the numbers started to rise in South Korea. And then we had a break scheduled. So we went home to, uh, our home countries where it's a very international company. And so I went back to the United States and, um, and in the meantime, while we were home, the numbers in Korea got really bad. And, and so everyone is telling me like, Matt, are you, are you gonna, you're going back to Korea after this? Like, it's, I don't know, is that, is that a good idea? And, and so anyway, um, it didn't look good, but then the week leading up to us going back to Korea, it was, this was about, uh, this was early March and, and on the 10th is when I flew out to South Korea. It didn't look good at all, but the numbers of the, the new daily cases in South Korea every day were getting lower and lower consistently. So it was, it, I mean, I guess on one hand it was a risk, but um, but the producers of Phantom were very uh, transparent and open about what was going on, what what the protocols are and the logistics, like basically um, which countries have certain travel bans and restrictions. And it, it was just a whole bunch of, of bureaucratic tape to get through just to get us there. And luckily we all were able to make it back. and. And we all decided to come back and I, they, they basically gave us the option, but we all wanted to keep working and we wanted to bring uh, Phantom to Seoul. And so, um, yeah, it was crazy. And, 
we did have a scary time. We were about two or three weeks into our run in Seoul, which already was stressful because uh, it's so interesting because I've talked about this a lot, like our experience, we're so, we were so blessed and so lucky and fortunate to be able to continue working, but that it also came with its own mixed bag of emotions. We, we also were ex felt like, an, like an extraordinary amount of guilt for being able to still perform while all of our, like literally all of my friends have lost their jobs and, and, and shows are not only postponed, but some have been canceled and put on the back burner. And so, so, showing up with that emotion was was uh was bad enough but then you add on top of that like just the uncertainty of the world and not knowing like uh, we, we quickly saw the numbers get really bad back in the united states so then i was worried about my my loved ones and and then what the future holds for them and so I was finding that I was just literally inundated with the news 24-7. So I would wake up, have the news on, and then that's all we talked about at work. That's all we talked about when we're hanging out. That's all, like, we're glued to our phones. That's, like, everything was related to COVID. And so I was getting to the point where I was, like, I've never had a panic attack or anything, but I was so... I didn't realize how much anxiety I was carrying around with me. Um, not only I was, like, just nervous about everything, but also just yeah, like this, the anxiety was so bad that I wasn't able to breathe on stage. So I was like doing all I, all I ask of you on stage and I thought I was going to pass out because I wasn't taking, all my breaths were just like, it was like having like a, all this like actual weight on my chest, like I couldn't breathe. And um, so I basically had to, <laughs> to um, like get myself through these, those performances where I just had to like really just think like it's such an innate thing breathing but then I literally had to focus on every breath like when I was on stage okay in and out and then I found that if, uh, if I could distance myself a little bit from the news that's that's when I started to breathe better so um so yeah so that was crazy and um but then we were just so lucky at the same time it's just such a whirlwind of emotions and then we had um a couple um people test positive in our company so we had to shut down uh, our production for I think about three weeks. And then there's no guarantees about if we were gonna reopen or not. We were immediately quarantined and we're all tested. And so it's, it's crazy. I mean, it goes to show how, how masks and um, all the, the proper precautions really work because we were in such close proximity for two, three weeks and only one other person, one person was sick. And then, so then she got tested and then and then one other person in the company got it from from her or from wherever, and so yes, yeah, so we we went through the quarantine process in Seoul, and uh, and we came back, and we were so, first of all we we're so thankful that the government allowed us to open up again because um I think all the productions in Seoul when we when we uh, had to shut down because of COVID they um they sh I think they shut down all of the the, the live productions in the city. So anyway, it was, we were so thankful to be back up and running and just, and how just everyone had faith in us and, and the audiences came back in, in droves and we played to packed houses and yeah, it was quite emotional um, just from what we'd been through and then just the uncertainty because that's the thing, like we've been so lucky to have this job, but uh, anything can, can derail us at any moment. Like, we were, uh, there were more scares with COVID, not necessarily with us directly, but um, we did have to get tested again because we had been 
like they're so good about track and trace in, in South Korea that uh, if, if ever there's a, a scare, like everyone who could possibly have been in close proximity to someone who tested positive will get notified. So, I, so we all had to get tested again, blah, blah, blah. So um, yeah, it kind of made us uh, put the show first and foremost. I mean, it always was, but it's just like, we just realized that um, we're kind of skating on thin ice and anything can stop this. So, so we're very careful about where we go outside of the show. Um, we don't go anywhere that's crowded or, or anywhere where we can't social, socially distance. Um, no bars, um, no crowded restaurants, um, and things have like lightened up a bit. But um, but yeah, it was it was crazy. And so then um, so then we were always scheduled to go from South Korea to Taiwan, and uh, and so, yeah, and then from there we go to China. And so it's so crazy. There were there were a couple other um, other a couple other places that were kind of scratched off the list, but. For the most part, the itinerary has stayed very much the same as it was always planned. So somehow we got lucky to, uh, for the timing to have worked out with Korea and then to be on the side of the world where they seem to have it under control. And um, in Taipei, we're told that it's been over 200 days since they've had a local case of COVID. <laughs> so I mean, that's oh. just like, that just blows my mind. Yeah, How that's insane. So now in more of a performance aspect, how has yeah. your performances changed pre and during COVID? How have you, how has your interaction with your cast members changed? And just even on stage, like how has yeah. your interaction with your audience changed? Yeah, um, the actual staging of the show hasn't changed at all. So yeah. that was a thing that we, we, we talked about with our resident director, like how to, especially like, cause me and, and Christine and Phantom, we all kiss and we have a lot of intimate moments on stage. So. Uh, we all collectively decided that we felt okay with it. I, I think he was giving us the option that we could kind of create some sort of, um, I don't know, a way of kissing that maybe there isn't as much contact or, or, or changing things so that it's more safe for us as, as the performers. But, um, but we all agree that we trust each other. And um, kind of what I was saying that just, uh, we have to make decisions thinking about the show. And um, so we just have to be responsible and, and not do anything to jeopardize the production and our castmates. And it's like, we're, we're uh, yeah, we just, you just don't want to be that person who brings COVID into the company. So, yeah. so yes, uh, so we didn't change anything there. Um, backstage is where it's a little different. We, um, everywhere we've been so far, we, we get our temperature tested, um, taken as we get into the theaters, so like at the stage door and then we sanitize and then we keep our masks on until it's like time to get start getting ready for the show. But everyone, everyone else who's involved in the show, the, our crew and musicians, and um, well, some of the musicians don't wear a mask in the pit, but uh, but all the crew um, and our management are all in masks um, the entire time they're backstage, and uh, they spray the costumes and our props after we use them, and, uh, and that's kind of the the main. Um, protocol or procedures that we do. Um, the interaction we have, we still, I mean, I, I think we're, we're less, we don't, don't hug as much. We're not as, I mean, actors, I mean, as you know, we're touchy-feely and just like, we're more open and expressive. So there's a little less of that. And we just try not to touch people if you don't have to. And, and uh, no sharing of, of beverages or food and, so yeah, so, um, but otherwise, like we kind of live in our own little bubble. 
So I, I think we feel safe in our bubble. So like we kind of trust, it's we're a big family um, of like 70 something, I think the travel, is it that many? Yeah, and, uh, and so we all kind of live in this little bubble and um, kind of exist as closely to normal as possible in COVID. But yeah, we just have to, we always um, just do as much as we can to not get sick on track. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, and I think that's really great that you're able to still perform the way, you know, perform, I mean, the way Phantom is performed. I think that's yeah. really great. And it makes it really special because even performances that are opening up, you know, vary throughout the world. But um, like even there, they've had to adapt everything significantly. So I think it's right. really great that you guys have found a way to to keep being safe while still bringing like the authentic performance. Me too, and yeah, cause, I mean, it's it's so silly. I mean, I've seen, I mean, some people's reaction to this is like, we can still perform. We'll just wear face shields on stage, and I mean, I think yeah, that would not work for Phantom. It would just look silly, I think. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's crazy. I mean, we're all there interacting and. I, it's funny, I was quoted in the New York Times, they did a piece on us about like, how we're able to perform during COVID and, and being like the only production at that point running. And uh, and so they quoted me as, because I was saying how it's just so shocking that that um, not more of us like ever got sick because we're on stage and then we're, all of us are on stage during Masquerade and um, we're all singing our faces off and, and enunciating our music directors very much like we need all those D's and T's and and so like I can you I literally see the this, this spit just flying and it's like the fact that or um I, I kind of am a spitter when I sing and act so um, I'm like I'm, I'll like joke when I when I do something like that and I see my spit fly I'm like oh I just gave them corona <laughs> I'm sorry but um just as a joke but um yeah it's crazy and the audiences they um they're so far and I think this will be the same because we haven't performed in Taipei yet. I think everyone has to wear a mask, and that's been the case since we since COVID happened. Like every person in the in the audience, um, yeah, with contact tracing and and um, being, I think even gets sprayed down with a little disinfectant as they go through like a little mister, and, uh, yeah. and there's sanitizer everywhere. So yeah, it's it's kind of crazy, like how you can, yeah, with the right amount of um of like compliance in a country all you really need is are those things and, and masks. Yeah, and kind of a, theater comes back, you know? Yeah, exactly. I really, yeah, I, we, we shared like all of our protocols and I know Andrew Lloyd Webber was using us as an example and as a model for how theater can continue to, to happen during COVID and, but it's just, I, yeah, I just feel like, unfortunately for certain countries like the US, I think a vaccine seems to be the, the only real way it's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, yes, we were so lucky to get to do this. Yeah. And so now you obviously play Raul in Phantom, and that is, you know, people call it like the iconic trio because there's Phantom, Christine, and then Raul, which who you play. So, what has been your experience playing such a memorable and iconic character? This is um, it's been such a treat. I've uh. I've done shows that people know well, but there's nothing like Phantom. It's it's so iconic and everyone, I mean, for the most part, I feel like the majority of our audiences, they've seen it before somewhere, like whether in Broadway West End or another tour, or, or they've seen the 25th anniversary production that was, that was televised. And uh, so everyone kind of comes in with like their favorite 
version of, of the role that you play. And so, so I feel like there's a lot of pressure and a lot to live up to. And there's been so many great people who have played these parts before us. So, um, so I like to just like kind of play, like, I don't know, honor and, and uh, contribute to the people who have played the role before me, but try to make it my own as much as possible within the parameters of the staging and, and being, being honest and, and faithful to the, to the text and the staging and, and uh, the show. But, uh, but yeah, it's been it's such a treat. And um, yeah, I, I have to pinch myself sometimes that, I, that I'm doing it. Like it's, it's been a slow burn kind of realizing that uh, I'm doing Phantom of the Opera. I kind of, it's so weird how sometimes it just takes a while for, for things to really sink in, but it's been, it's been such a treat and to get to do it all over the world for so many different audiences and different countries has been so cool. And the, I mean, I, I'll never forget the, 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 we felt very A-list when we were in Dubai. Um, I was, uh, we, we got dressed by designers and we showed up in this like stretched SUV and, and we entered the, uh, I forgot the name of the, the venue, but it was, Dubai. I mean, right around. Yeah. yeah right. So, but um, after, after we left that, we went to the, uh, um, I'm not sure where the party was, but anyway, it was this grand entrance where, where the three of us came down the stairs. I felt like we were royalty and paparazzi and <laughs> the big, yeah. huge mask. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, so, like becoming a really big thing here, which is really great because it wasn't yeah. before. So I think mm -hmm. the year before, like every year they try and bring like a, like a professional production here. So I think the year before they brought Cats, which we don't speak about oh. anymore. But oh. um, then... Then, yeah, and then they brought Phantom, and hopefully, I don't think this year, but next year, hopefully, things are easing up a little bit, and we can have another performance come here, but, yeah. yeah. Have, have you, sorry. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask if you guys have had anything in there, like, are there any performances happening now, or everything's kind of stopped? We've had some, like, small, like, community theater productions taking place, obviously, like, with the appropriate restrictions in place. Right. Um, but no, nothing, nothing like big, nothing uh, professional. But I think just with time, everything will come back. Absolutely. Yeah. It'll happen. Yeah. Oh, it has to. I mean, like a lot of people say, um, oh, like theater's not that important, like blah, blah, blah. But it really is. It's such a contributor, not just to the community and culture of the place, but to the economy as well. Yes. Like it's such a... what, it's so crazy. I don't know why that's so hard for people to understand. Like you show them the numbers on Broadway and it's like Broadway makes more money, brings more money to New York City than the combined professional sports teams and all of them. So it's like, why is that one of the last things that, that you're gonna try to bring back? It just it just blows my mind. I'm like, you guys I mean, I feel like politicians are all about it's all about money and, and financing and blah blah blah. So like don't you want yeah. money trickling into your city? Like I don't. Mm -hmm. So it's so crazy. I'm, I think eventually it'll it'll sink in and people will miss it a lot and make more. Hopefully, make more of an effort to bring it back sooner. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. So you clearly went to Northwestern University, which hmm. is ranked way up on the list for for schools uh, to go to for this. So how do you kind of think Northwestern has sort of helped you to come where you are today? Northwestern, I feel like, is, is like everything um, to me for that reason, because 
I mean, not only was it an amazing, like, enriching experience, like socially, and uh, and I liked being at a university, so it wasn't wasn't a conservatory training where I was like only studying how to be a performer. Um, I uh, got like a well-rounded education, but um, I also I went to college thinking I was going to be more of an opera singer. So oh. I I was in this yeah, so I was in the school yeah. of music, and oh, the I, violin school of music. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to research. I love it. Yeah. And um, I, uh, I, so, so I, I maintained like my music degree while I was there, but um, I kind of found theater while I was there. I, mean, I did a couple of musicals in high school, but I, I didn't really fall in love with theater until I was there. And I, w I would see all the different productions. And I think part of me was just like a little jealous and wanting to get up on the stage in these productions. And, and I, I, uh, I ended up, like I remember I was home on one of the breaks from school and I was just looking up uh, like, oh, I wonder what the shows are for next next semester or whatever. So I looked it up and I saw this production, like George Bernard Shaw's Candida. And well, so I looked it up and then I started reading the play and then I read the character description of this character, Marchbanks, and I was like, that's me. I have to play the part. And and this is me like as like a opera singer, like or like a voice major, like trying to be in the theater department's production of Candida. And so I was like, well, this I just was, I don't know, when you're young, you're bold and and you don't know any better. So I, I went like right up to the director's office and I was like, Hello, um, hi, I, I would like to audition for your play. Um I, I guess I need a monologue. Do you have a suggestion? And so he like got out a, a shot monologue. Um and from Miss Alliance, and he's like, yeah, maybe, maybe this one. And uh, so then I brought that monologue back, whatever, whatever the audition was, and and ended up getting cast in that part. And um, oh. and so it kind of like it it was like a major turning point for me because I was talking about this today today because this last night it never really clicked for me. Like things, it's, I, I don't know if this is a theme, but things don't really like sink in. I was I was watching the Queen's Gambit. And not that I'm like some idiot savant, like when it comes to acting, but like it came naturally to me. But like I here I was. I mean, not <laughs> that girl is like a genius when it comes to chess. But like she kind of just like stumbled upon it and was like intrigued and was kind of like I want to do that. And so it's kind of like I had this moment last night where I was like, well, I kind of did that with this play that I was like, I kind of want to be in that. And then and then I just went for it and was bold and it happened and that kind of changed. The trajectory of my life because it gave me confidence in my acting because I had taken my first acting class that year um, and uh, I was like well I should just start auditioning and and so anyway so being cast in like a main stage production um, as a voice major like was um, it was like a good uh, a dose of confidence in my abilities so then I continued to do some plays and I, I did not know how to sing musical theater in college. I just was doing it. I was coming more from like a classical sound and and the, the, the directors and they were just not having it. So I, I kind of figured it out by the end of college. And so I did operas and plays. And so then by the time I left school, I kind of like figured out how to marry the two. So, um, so then I was, um, once I left college, then I started um, working professionally in, in, uh, in musicals and plays and, and things like that. So Northwestern was a great place for me to kind of figure out where I wanted to fit into this whole performing world because I knew I knew I loved to sing, but I think what I realized um, as we like started to get really into like vocal technique and, and then I was 
doing all this, I don't know, getting into the opera world, I kind of realized it's like, you know what, I think for me, I am less interested in perfecting my voice and making every note sound perfect and whatever and colored and all that. But I'm more interested in the storytelling of it. So yeah. that was a great, a great place for me to sort of like kind of pivot and and uh, sort of try out the whole acting thing. And, and then I never looked back. So I'm very, very happy I went to a school that had a great voice program and a great theater program. Because then I, I also did the music theater program as well. So that yeah. kind of did, did it all. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's so important to have that classical background because so many theater performers don't have it and end up hurting their voices later on. Yeah. So having such a strong classical background can only help you in the long run. Absolutely. I really found that. Um, yeah, like knock on wood, um, I, I don't miss performances. Uh, I was injured in the last city, but that that was not. But And I, I lost my voice once, but that was literally like, this, like when I lost my voice on this show, we all literally happened to the entire company, or at least all the principals, we all literally were out for like a couple of weeks and oh, no. it's it horrible. I think they're calling it the monkey flu or something, but yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it wiped us out. And so like, I felt like crap and then I just lost my voice and it was horrible. And I never experienced this before. Cause like, I feel like as you're saying, like having um, a good classical technique helps you realize like what you need to do and and um, and how, yeah, I feel like we, the longevity of the voice in it, but also like the day-to-day, -day, like being able to get through eight shows a week. Um, it's not something that, that opera singers are used to, but but we know what to do with our voices to to maintain stamina. And um, But I will say it's not easy. Like I definitely have my weeks with this show where it's it's harder than others. And and I'm actually, I'm actually worried um, coming into Taipei performances because we haven't, we, it's been almost three months since we did the show because we had a long break. We lost some right, weeks because right. of COVID. Right, right. So yeah, so we're, um, so I, was like, I haven't been the best at keeping in shape vocally. So, uh, so, but I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be fine. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely good to have that, that foundation and vocal technique because I do see some people who have, don't have as much training kind of really struggle through and, and then, not only it's just like just getting through the week, but it's then it's like that, then the next week is just a little harder than the week before. And then it just gets this, so yeah, it's, it, and then it's crash and burn and then you got to take time off. It's, yeah. 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 So, you know, will you learn, but like as someone who tunes into podcasts, like I love, I love these kind of podcasts. Like I have, I have some friends who do them and not only do I like to hear how they talk to these people and like, and, but I, I love to, like oh that's an actor I am really interested in listening to like oh I wonder what like I love hearing the the story of how someone became an actor and 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 then what happened leading up to them like becoming someone that you might have heard of and like the big break if you will or whatever you and so what? I, yeah I'm so glad you just said that because you just created the perfect transition to my next question which was how did you get into theater Matt oh I love it so um, <laughs> so at Northwestern I I kind of just sort of figured, I don't know, that I enjoyed being on stage in plays and musicals. And, and so I, I kind of just gave it a shot. And um, I think initially I was thinking, because all my friends in the voice program were either going to grad school right away or gonna like wait a year or something. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just, um, if, if this doesn't work out and I, I still wanna like do classical music, I can always just go to, back to grad school. So, but I never, I never looked back and I just, I moved to, 
Well, actually, right after graduation, I went to a theater company out in um, Charleston, South Carolina. This beautiful, like, I think it's technically the oldest theater in the country, or at least the oldest site, oldest site of, of or, sorry, site of the oldest theater in the country. It burned, and they rebuilt it. Um, but it, yeah, and so I, I was there for a whole season and did a whole bunch of plays and musicals for them. And we also taught classes. And uh, I realize I'm not the best teacher. I like one-on-one -on -one stuff, but um, yeah, classroom control, like, ooh, props to teachers. That's, um, that, that is a, a skill. It cannot be easy. <laughs> no. And especially because um, what you're saying about like, you know, um, you, you, you were a really talkative kid. So, um, so that's kind of like what happened to a lot of the people that were, I, I was teaching is basically like a whole bunch of talkative kind of um, maybe um, undiagnosed like ADD children get thrown into a room basically like after school, like we don't know what to do with this kid. They have so much energy and they keep talking. We'll put them in theater class. <laughs> so then you have like 15, 20 kids just running around screaming and just being loud. And so anyway. Yes, there's um, people who have a better skill set to 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 uh, inspire those kids, but um, maybe one day, maybe one day. But um, but yes, yeah, so I I went from there, and I then I toured. I got I got this tour of Sound of Music in Asia, and so that was actually the last time I was in, or the only other time I was in Taiwan, was with that tour. And so then I did that for about six months, and then I I actually made the decision to leave early. I kind of realized. I was just really anxious to get to New York because I hadn't, I hadn't moved there yet. So, and I just, I didn't, and to be honest, like I was a young, hungry actor and I just also wasn't doing anything in the show. I, I was the understudy to Rolf and I never played it. And I had one line, or two, no, three lines, two were off stage, and I sang one note. And I was like, you know what? Six months is enough. Um, and some casting director in New York, I went to visit just to see if I wanted to move there. And, and she's like, you need to be in New York. And I was like, okay. So, um, so I kind of, yeah, so I kind of had this epiphany. Um, I, it just never occurred to me that you can leave a show. So I, I kind of just contacted them and I just said that I just really feel like I need to move on and blah, blah. And so they were nice about it. And so I, then I moved to New York. Well, I guess I did a show first and then, then moved to New York. And then kind of it all sort of, so slowly started happening. My career has been very much like a slow um, stepping ladder kind of thing. It's and some people it happens very quickly. I'm actually glad for I I came to this late. I know some some of the people I I do shows with knew when they like when like when they were your age or I mean or when at this point like you know very much like this is something that you're passionate about. I didn't really know until I was in my like until I was like 20. So uh, I. Yeah, so I just um, kind of did the whole um, slow and steady uh, race and uh, tortoise in the hair. And uh, I did a whole bunch of regional theater and, uh, and then I got cast in The Fantastics off-Broadway. And so that was cool. It was my first long running show. And so I, I did that for, um, I guess, three years. And then, and then I got to a point where um, I mean, this is very much like the, the nitty gritty of, of the business, but um, I realized that I, I wasn't being um, creatively, uh, I, I wasn't being inspired anymore by, by the show. And so I felt like I kind of not outgrown it, but I feel like I mined my role for everything it was worth and, and it was time to be challenged in a new way. So, um, excuse me. so I told myself that I, uh, I would only leave the fan. That's the thing, if you have a show in New York, 
it's or anywhere where you're based where you're actually living it's so hard to leave a job because it's like that's a consistent paycheck in the arts which is doesn't often come and uh so I, I told myself i'll leave the show if i get a broadway show national tour or or this one play that i just really wanted to be in called red and so uh the broadway tour didn't happen um but i got this play red and it's a two-person play. i know that oh my god look at you yeah so i i was like i'd seen the show on broadway and both of the actors won Tonys for their roles and they won the Tony for Best Play. Like, I just was like, I want to do this. And that, that was like a dream come true. And um, so that brought me away from the show. But then it's funny because, um, kind of, this is really the nitty gritty of it, but uh, I, when I was doing Red, the Fantastic called it like, can you come back for like six weeks? And I was like, oh, okay, fine, fine, fine. And so, um, but it's crazy. I, I can't believe this happened. So I, I, I did my final show in, in Red, which was like emotional. I was like, oh, I don't want to finish. I, was, I still wanted to keep going. Um, and got on a plane literally from the, the theater and then got back to New York. I think I got to my hotel or my um, apartment in New York at like midnight or something. And then I had rehearsal for Carousel at, with uh, Lincoln Center. Like it's on PBS uh, with the New York Philharmonic. Yeah, um, yeah. At like 10 in the morning uh, that next day and so we had rehearsal from 10 to 6 and I think my agent was trying to get me to audition for something on the lunch break and then I went back into Fantastics that night and so I was doing Fantastics like so I would rehearse from 10 to 6 and then I would go do Fantastics after just finishing this play out of town and then it was insane so anyway so <laughs> so that was a crazy time but um I kind of used uh my time after Fantastics to do um projects that were I was like I kind of wanted to do plays for a couple of years so I, I did that's exactly what I did I, I did um not that I can like completely control my career but uh it kind of worked out that way that I, I did like I think four five plays and um and that led me up to um A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder which was like a dream come true as well I went to the Broadway opening of that I'd never been to a Broadway opening before and I had a producer friend who invited me and so I I mean, this is funny too, because um, I went as a guest, but for some reason they made me walk the red carpet. I, they're like, my friend's like, you're on the list, just just go. And I was like, but Nathan Lane is in front of me. This is ridiculous. Like, I shouldn't be here. And so I'm um, no, no, just go, just go. So I went in and, and they took my photo and it and like it showed up on Playbill. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm, I'm not that a celebrity. so funny though. Yeah, I mean, so it's cute. fun. It's fun. You got to walk the red carpet on a Broadway. Right. And so it was so, it was so fun. And so then, um, that's when they were like interviewing all the celebrities and opening. So anyway, so I went to see the show and I was, um, the minute it opened and I saw Bryce Pinkham on stage, I was like, I have to play that role. And I was like, and why am I not in this show? And so I had heard about it before because I had a friend who's, who's done quite well in the business who actually auditioned for that part originally and he's not quite right. But he's like, that's a great role for you. And I was like, oh yeah, 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 whatever. Because like, I think the breakdown, like the, you know, what lists like the, all the roles available in the shows had said that he's like late thirties, forties or something. And so I was like, Oh yeah, no, it's, it's not, that's not for me. So, um, anyway, having seen it, I was like, I should have auditioned for this. But, um, so it was one of those shows where like literally every day someone would contact me like, Matt, I just saw gentleman's guy. You have to be in that. Or but, well, I, I couldn't stop thinking of you, but I was like, I know I have to be in this. And like, like so, I um, be in it too. 
exactly. What well, you tell that to the producers. So I'm um, finally, I ended up um, auditioning. Uh, yeah, that's another story. But, but um, I ran in, this is so funny, like how things work out. Like in New York, you, you run into people all the time. And so I, I had had an audition for the Broadway company but it was, they were looking for a swing and I would, I was working out of town and flown, I'd flown in specifically for this audition. And, and I realized pretty quickly that they wanted someone to start immediately, but I wasn't available. And, but it was for a role that I probably wouldn't have been cast in anyway. And so anyway, I was glad to have had the audition experience. And, and then I never heard anything from it because I don't think they were casting again. And then, and so then I ran into the composer who I had had a coaching with years ago and we were talking about the show and, and, uh, and I was like, about that, I was like, do you still think I'm right for this? Because um, he was the one who got me the audition. And, uh, and he's like, absolutely, yeah. Um, would you be interested in touring? I was like, yeah. So, um, so then I, I went in for the, the national tour and that's when it ended up happening for me. And I did the, all of the, the, the first national tour. And, uh, and yeah, so that brought me to New York again. And I was lucky, like, I think I had two auditions and uh, first one was callback, didn't happen. And then the second one was for Sweeney Todd. And I got that. And um, so I was at the, the Barrow Street Theater off Broadway in, the, in this really cool, innovative, immersive production of Sweeney Todd, set in an actual pie shop. And uh, oh, that's I- that's so cool. Oh, no, it was so cool. They, they, um, the audience would get there, like, I don't know, before an hour call or whatever. So um, they would be there eating meat pies, vegetarian pies, if, if you're a vegetarian. And, uh, and then, then they would, um, and they, they'd have like a beer or wine or whatever. And then it was just such a cool concept because the, so then the, uh, then the show would start and then we'd all, or sorry, before the show started, we'd all come out in costume, but as ourselves. So I wouldn't be, cause um, in that production, I stood by for Anthony, Tobias and the Beatle. So um, whoever I was playing that night, I'd be dressed as them, but I wouldn't be the character. I would be, I'd be Matt. So I, you just go up and you go mingle with the audience and, um, and you go say, hey, how's it going? Like, where are you from? Or blah, blah, blah. And, and, um, and so then you chat and then all of a sudden it starts and then it's like, it's so intense and amazing. And, and all of the things we used for props and, and for staging were things you would find inside a pie shop. So, so it was just like so- the audience didn't have an idea that you'd be coming out. Yeah, no, I think they, they obviously knew that we were like in the show, but like, yeah, I but, mean, but, um, but yeah, but it, it, the way it was, it started too, because like we would just be mingling and then we'd all be lined up. They had all these long rows of um, uh, like basically like, like skinny pic picnic tables. So everyone would be facing each other. Um, that's, that's where they would eat the pies and stuff. And then, and then after the little chatty chatty section or before the show, the, the lights would go out and then, and um, we'd be sitting at the head of the table. And then, um, and then I played the Beatle um, as well. It's so, like the Beatle opens a show with a little candle, like attend the table, Sweeney Todd, and blah blah. And then, um, and then when I was like, you know, raising our um, <laughs> that really intense choral, choral music, um, we literally would be at the table, like just like totally still. And then we would grab the the knife and fork right at the table, and we would just be like <laughs> right in their face. And it was so fun to scare them, and and just it really sets the mood because yeah, it, it was every night you'd be doing it. Yeah, and it's just a, like as an audience, I joined the show after it opened, and uh, the just like getting to see it as an audience member first was so cool because it's so like it was an eight-person production, so like there's only there's no ensemble. The ensemble comes from the principals and three people in the the orchestra, 
like violin and woodwinds and piano. And, um, and with, just with that few amount of people, it was so um, effective and it felt like you, it was so intense and, and immediate because I mean, you're right on top of them. And oh, it was, it was such a cool experience. So I got to do that for, I guess, a year. And then, and then it closed. And, and so I ended up taking over for the Beatle for the end of the run and, and got to perform for Sondheim for the last performance, which was very nerve wracking, but, but very rewarding and amazing. And it was an audience full of people who'd, who'd been involved with the show and, and friends of the theater. And so it was, I was like, we were like rock stars. It was so cool. We, it took like two minutes for the audience to like shut up so the show could start. Cause once the lights went out, they're like, yeah. So these wouldn't stop and I was like I have to open the show and I'm so nervous because sometimes here I was like can I just start but um it was so cool and so yeah and then while I was there like such a cool concept like I don't think I've ever heard yeah. of a show kind of do anything like that before I know yeah I hadn't really either um I've been to I, uh, I don't know if you've heard of a show called Sleep No More but I think for it, me yes. So that's like a, a cool experience that was running for years in New York and hope, hopefully it'll reopen. But that was the first experience I ever had with immersive theater. And it's more of like a dance immersive theater yeah. piece. You do speak and stuff, but it's very movement based. And uh, so that I was like, this is so cool. And so, yeah, I hadn't had much experience um, as an audience member with that, let alone as a performer. So, yeah, I'm so glad I got to have that experience. I'd, I'd never done Sondheim before and I'd been dying to do that. And um, yeah, and while I was there, I auditioned for, for this tour of, of Phantom. And I had never auditioned for Phantom before, except for maybe a, like a chorus call or something. And, um, but I always thought that this is a show that is like very, it's been running forever. Like it's very specific about what they want. And uh, so for like, I feel like Raoul, at least in my mind, um, that was like the role that I would play. And so I had seen all the casting and known people who played the part and like they're all like six foot plus and and dark haired and blah 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 and so um, I think it was good that while I auditioned for it the guy playing it on Broadway Jay Armstrong Johnson is um he's like a little shorter than me and and similar complexion like lighter hair and and pale and so um so yes yeah, so I think how in Hal's mind I think Hal Prince I think uh. I think he, I was more of the, the flavor he was thinking of at the moment, but I don't know. It was just so crazy because I, I, I tell this story a lot, but my audition experience, I feel like the lesson of it is just that in the industry will kind of dictate what they want from you, what, what to do with you. And so I had that experience with like Sweeney kind of encapsulates what I do because like I, I can play more than just like the Raoul kind of role. Like I can also do like the comedic parts, so I can um, be more charactery. Uh, so I feel like in, in Sweeney, it kind of like I played my range of roles, like everything from the, the young lover, the young earnest in love to like more charactery, juvenile um, guy with a lot of emotional baggage, like Tobias, and then, and then the beetle who's kind of like this foppish, ridiculous, sort of funny, but creepy guy. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was... Uh, so anyway, so uh, going into this, um, I was cast, or I would not cast yet. I was um, brought in to be the understudy for Raoul. And so I was thinking like, you know what? I've been understudying, gosh, with him in 2015 for like, like for four years, just like always been like the understudy standby. And I was like, 
can you at least like see me for the role and then cast me as an understudy? Like, I, I just want to, so anyway, I almost, I was thinking about not even going to the audition. Cause I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe I just should say no. And um, so I'm riding my bike to Sweeney Todd for the show that night. And I'm just like, I don't think I'm gonna go. I'm not gonna go. And then I look up and I'm like, oh, it's a bus. And I like almost got hit and I look up and the bus that almost hit me is is a phantom of the opera bus. It's like written all over it. It was about yes. to hit you, and no, like metaphorically, like and physically, like it yes. almost hit you that you were supposed to do the show. Exactly. So it's like you know what? That's it. I'm gonna go to this audition, and we'll see what happens. And and I went with low expectations. I was like, you know what? I just want to do a good job. Like I don't. I, at that point, I I'd only been in the city for like a year and a half after being on tour. And um, so I was like, you know what? Like, I don't need to go away just yet. Like, um, so I'll, I'll just want to do a good job for, for the Broadway, because the people who, who work on our production also do the Broadway production and, and other shows. And, and, uh, and then at that point, I think they had a US tour too. And so I was just like, I just want to do a good job for these people and um, make a good impression and that's it. So I went to the second, the first callback and they, um, at that point, we're thinking of me as a RAL understudy and, a, and an Andre understudy, like one of the opera managers, mm-hmm. and, and all possibly to, to swing as well. So, I mean, you, you know a swing, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and so I was like, okay, wow. And then at one point, I think in my audition, they're like, do you know Music of the Night? And I was like, yeah, I think I sang that at like my friend's mom's 50th birthday party like years ago. <laughs> like, oh, no, don't, you don't have to sing, it's okay. But like, they ended up like thinking of me because I think some Andres also understudy Phantom and then sometimes Rao's understudy Phantom. So it's, anyway, so basically they pulled me aside after where they're like, they're, they're obsessed with you. Um, the next audition is for Hal Prince and we think we're gonna put you up as an Andre for him. If he doesn't see you as that, is it okay? Like, would you be all right with doing ensemble? And I was like, I was like, this is a nice question. No one ever asked me what I want to do. But, um, but I was honest and I said, well, I'm not ideally, but I, I would like to at least audition and see what happens. And so I went to the final audition and I saw pretty quickly that there were two people for principal role that Hal had to choose from. And so my friend Kurt and I, um, Kurt's playing Andre, we were there. And then I saw a friend who was there for one of the two Rowls and he was like, oh, it's like, oh no, you're here. And I was like, oh no, 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 I'm here for Andre. Like, let's go on tour together. This will be so fun. And uh, so anyway, it, it all works out the way it's supposed to. And I I was working on the route, or sorry, the Andre stuff with Hal and he, and it just wasn't gelling, I think. And so he wasn't seeing me in that part, I don't think, at least not then. And uh, and so he had me work on the the Rao packet. And so we did my all I ask, all I ask of you and, we worked on the dressing room scene a few times and gave me all this very specific direction. And, um, and I really enjoyed that moment and getting to, I love, I love when a director works with me in the, in the audition room. It's so exciting and it's so fun to make the adjustments. I love- personalized too. Like you get to feel like yeah. that's what the show's gonna be like. Right, and, and I think they wanna see how adaptable you are and, and how, what you can do on the spot and, um, and like what other colors you can bring. and. So I don't know, it just felt really good. And, and so then I left the room and and then they had me wait for a second. And then they're like, well, can you come back in? We're gonna, we're gonna put you on tape for Andrew Lloyd Webber to do All I Ask of You. And so they coached me on it. And then I, then I did that. And then 
And then the one of our producers came up and they shook my hand and he's like, hi, I'm Randy. And I'm like, it's like, actually, I know you. Um, I He was one of the producers of the Sound and Music tour okay. that I yeah. did like, back. And so it's so crazy how you, you, it's such a small world. And so anyway, so I left and I wasn't sure initially if they were going to put me in the ensemble. They're like, you would need to come back later that day to, to like do the movement call and then then read some of the like like Ray A and like some of these these other great little roles in the show and uh, and so I left and I was like well do, do you want me to come back this afternoon and, and she's like oh no 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 we're good and at that moment I was like oh okay so if you really want me in this show and they weren't thinking of me as Andre they really loved me as Rao. I think I just got Rao. So it's just so such such a weird experience that like you just never know what they're thinking. And um yeah, and you just have to hope else, it works out for the best. Yeah. I've also had I've also talked to directors where I think this happens to me a lot, like being able to play different kinds of roles within a show, it's hurt me sometimes because like it's it's easier to find someone who's like a hundred percent that and a hundred percent that than finding someone who's in the middle. So people in the middle like like kind of what I've done a lot is like you were able to play this and this, so you'll be the understudy. So um, so yeah. So with this one, yeah, it was just so nice to to just play the part and yeah, get the part. So I'm, yes, exactly. <laughs> and you know, so much like after talking to you, I've realized so much of your professional career has been touring. Yeah. So how do you kind of keep? And I mean, you're touring right now. So how do yeah. you kind of keep your energy up? I mean, I know this is a little bit of a different situation, but generally, how do you keep yourself energized considering, you know, the different shows, different venues, travel times, like all of these factors that are playing into it? How do you keep yourself energized and ready for a performance? That's a, a really good question. I think, um, like, I don't know, taking it day by day, I will say it's been challenging on this tour because um, not only are we changing um, like cities and like on a US tour, you like, like the travel days, I mean, it's sometimes it's annoying because, excuse me, um, you, your Monday, your day off is often spent traveling, but then it, it's only like a, like a tops, like a three hour flight, like that's it. So with us, um, our travel days, I'm literally spending, like it took me, I think, from my first flight to when I landed, 36 hours. So, um, so we're dealing with that like like marathon of a of a journey on top of like 13, 14 hour time differences, and um, and then just having like it's it's a lot. So coming to these cities after these long flights, and then just diving right into um, what we do with the show is we'll we'll do like a dress rehearsal in every city so we can work with the local crew and the local orchestra because we travel with with a core group of, or of orchestra members but then the rest are locals and and then we have our core crew but then we pick up locals as well so um we have to do the show kind of full out for sound purposes and and for backstage purposes as well and so we're full, fully costumed and everything and then that night will be our first performance and then sometimes it might be considered a preview or opening so depending there might be an open night party um and then either that day or the next day is filled with press and so like i'll just be like all over the place like doing like live interviews or sometimes taped ones and a lot of like photo ops and it's 
a lot. And then we used to do this thing where we would, um, that same day, we would do um, taped, we would do perform performances that would be taped for the press. So we would do All I Ask of You, um, I think they do the title song. And what else would we do? Sometimes we did the managers, Prima Donna once, I think, but um, those are the two we did all the time and Masquerade. So, um, so it, it was exhausting. And then, so then it's basically like doing like the equivalent of a 10 plus show week right after traveling. And yeah. so it's been, it's been challenging. So I find that like the first week for me, is just about getting through it. So like doing one thing at a time, one day at a time, try not to pay, like, try not to like, like worry too much and just pace yourself and, and not do a ton. Uh, so like the first, first day off is like more about rest. But then after that is when I kind of break out of my shell and, and try to do a lot of the sightseeing and, and be, be more social. And yeah, for me, I, I'm, I'm social. And I love, to, I don't want to miss out. I have FOMO for sure. So it's like being able to get the best of both worlds. Like, like, um, honor my job and my responsibilities, but also not lose out on these once in a lifetime experiences. Cause some of these places we're going to, like there's no guarantee I'll ever return. So I just want to make sure I really like soak up the marrow of, of these places. So yeah, it's about pacing and um, rest, um, sleeping as much as possible. And I'm pretty good at that, but not in quarantine. I haven't been sleeping as well as I would have liked. But um, yeah, so I, and then trying to like stay active, either like I'm pretty good about doing my little exercises and and uh and uh at least walking around the cities because that's a good way to do it too like explore and walk and then um drinking a ton of water I need to do that yeah and um yeah I feel like those are the, the things um and then yeah like checking in with loved ones to stay to stay like I don't know tuned in to, to life it's so easy to get like all caught up in our little bubble and wh whatever's going on there. So it's nice to like check in with the real world and, 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 uh, and feel connected in that way. But yeah, it's, um, it's got its own challenges. I mean, I, I'm, an, I'm an explorer and I love to see the world and I love to just do as much as possible. So, so I, I feel like I'm well suited to the touring lifestyle. But on the other hand, we, we miss out on a lot of things like on yeah. some, uh, some major life like uh, milestones for people like weddings and uh, and uh, and then like if we're if we have a partner or if we're married or boyfriend girlfriend like those people are are um <laughs> they have to put up with us being away yeah. and um and then and then the strain on a relationship is 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 for is very real i've seen relationships fail and do fine on, on my touring experiences and um so yeah it's, it's a challenge but it's i think well worth it and i wouldn't i wouldn't trade in my experiences for anything so oh, for, sure. Yeah. for sure yeah but it's i mean there's always there's always trade-offs because like like yeah. sometimes you crave the stability of of being home like luckily it's nice that not all of my work has been out of out of the city but i've had about like five years of of, of shows in, in like long runs in the city. But um, yeah, other than that, it's um, just the in-between job kind of um, time that I've had in the city. But. Yeah. <laughs> so final question now. Oh, sure. Do you have any advice for the people who want to be in the performing arts industry? Um, yeah, I, 
I would just say, do, just keep doing it. Keep any opportunity that you get to perform is a learning experience. And uh, I feel like that's the best way to grow as an artist and, and to try new things. And yeah, we're, we're so young. I mean, like, I mean, I'm an example. I mean, I, I always sang on more of the classical route, even as I was a boy soprano and we, we sang all classical music. And so I, that was kind of my world. And, um, and then I kind of found theater. So I feel like being open to new experiences and, and that like, maybe you know that you might want to be a performer in some capacity, but, but maybe, maybe like with me, maybe it's, maybe it's a different kind of performing. And uh, yeah, and I, I guess, um, yeah, be kind to yourself. Um, like it's not gonna happen overnight. Um, and just, yeah, just do it, do what make what you love. I mean, do it for the love of it and um, try not to compare yourself. As, I feel like as we get older, it's, it's so easy to um, once, cause I feel like for a while it's like, it's all it is is fun. It's like, I wanna do another show, I wanna do another show. But then, then it can get a little competitive and you're like, well, I wanna be this part or like, why did this person get that part and move on? And why is this, why is this person always getting this and and then when you get to college and yeah it's like why why is this person's career like over there and i'm here and and because there's always going to be someone that's looking at you and being like oh if only i i could have like what he has um so it's it's all relative and timing is is totally specific to the person and for me like i've had a very slow and steady career like it's it's been nice like i i haven't really had to do much else for work but um but I won't say that it's been easy and I won't say it's, it's um, been like a quick um, rise or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I'm, I'm happy for that because it's made me appreciate um, every job that I've gotten. I'm happy to have had the understudy experience because I think that makes me a good colleague and um, respectful of the people that cover me. And um, I think that's that's a really good lesson. Some people aren't, yeah, I think it's just really good to know how how a show functions and, and how valuable understudies are. Oh, um, sure. Oh, my, I think, yeah. like I hear people all the time, they're like, oh my God, what, if, if that's how good you are, like, oh, I wonder how the, like, the person the person who plays the role all the time must be amazing. It's like, it's, it's not, not how it works. It's not like the like, less talented person is the understudy right. award. Or it's, like, it's, it's not like a comparable scale. Right. I think that's the thing too. Yes, it's not like, like we're in such a subjective art form that there's there shouldn't be comparing because compare that cheesy line like compare leads to despair. Like it's well, not it's true. It's true. It's so. Helpful. so yeah, I, I feel like my advice is just to perform as much as possible and and um, yeah, be open to new experiences and and just keep loving it. And if you don't love it anymore, maybe maybe there's an maybe there's another like way to be involved in in the arts or performing that isn't on stage or like I, yeah, I don't want to dissuade anyone from from not performing but but yeah if, it, if, you don't, if you don't love it anymore you really need to love it to to, to be able to put up with the ups and downs that that yeah. were and it's so easy to like judge yourself like you said like when something yeah. doesn't go your way or like when somebody else gets something you wanted but it's like your time will come exactly that's so true your time like as long as you keep keep at it and and you keep showing up it's gonna happen so i feel like i'm 
I'm a testimony to that. Yeah, and what you're saying makes a lot of sense. So, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this conversation. So, thank you so much for joining me today, Matt. My pleasure, Rob. It was was nice to meet you. Yeah, it was really great talking to you and getting to know everything about you and all your experiences. It was really, really insightful. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. Hopefully I'll get to come back to Dubai one of these days. Yeah, oh, well, you must. And you must come to the Opera House again and perform. Yes. Oh, it was such a cool experience. Yeah. And thank you to everyone who tuned in. So look out for future episodes airing every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Stay safe, everyone. Bye.